Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us for our broadcast today. We are again in Revelation chapter 7, and today we're looking at the rapture and the great tribulation. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14 focuses on believers coming out of the great tribulation. In Revelation 7:13, St. John asks the question, "Who are these, clothed in white robes, and whence have they come?" The answer, Revelation 7:14. He said to me, "These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb." I'm trying to do about three things in this series in the book of Revelation and right here in chapter 7. The main thing I'm trying to do is give you the timeless interpretation of Revelation, particularly chapter 7, and especially as it's articulated in the Catechism of the Catholic Church and the Historic Church teaching. Now, against this, what I call down-the-middle interpretation— Last week, I dealt with the overly historical view, which tends to squeeze any future interpretation out of the book of Revelation. And I tried to show that that was an error, not just from my own opinion, but particularly from the scriptures and the catechism and church documents. Today, I want to talk about another group that's kind of ignores the historical perspective and context and particularly the Protestant group that emphasized the rapture at any moment before the Great Tribulation. And I need to emphasize that there are many Protestants who don't believe in the rapture at any moment before the Great Tribulation, that simply don't hold to that view. You don't hear from them quite nearly as much on the airwaves as you do the rapture folks. Now, the school of prophecy that believes in the rapture at any moment is called the pre-trib rapture view. What do they mean by that? Well, right out of Revelation 7:14, it speaks about these coming out of the great tribulation. The pre-trib view believes that the true believers will be taken out of the earth before the tribulation begins, hence the name pre-trib. And Dr. Tim LaHaye is a good example of one of the leaders of the pre-trib movement. He was the co-author of the novels, the Left Behind series. He's also the author of a book, Charting the End Times, And he is the founder of the Pre-Trib Research Center in Texas. So this is a leader of the Pre-Trib movement. And Dr. LaHaye cites Revelation 3 and verse 10 as the chief proof text for the Pre-Trib view of the rapture in the book of Revelation. 
And I'm kind of taking you back a little bit into Revelation 3 and verse 10, which says, Jesus speaking, because you have kept my word of patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial, which is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell upon the earth. Now, the hour of trial, that special time of testing, of judgment, of all the types of things going on in the world that we've seen as these seven seals are being opened, that's the tribulation period. And perhaps on the surface, Revelation 3.10 may look like the pre-trib rapture where it's quoted, I will keep you from the hour of trial. Now, this is what Dr. LaHaye says about this verse. This is a clear promise guaranteeing the church's rapture before the tribulation. And he's referring to Revelation 3.10. The Greek word from, keep you from, the hour of trial, the Greek word from in Greek, ek, in Revelation 3.10, literally means out of, which is how it is rendered many other times in the Bible. God is saying, I will keep you out of the wrath to come. Now, (laughs) you determine a word's meaning in the Bible by its context. When you study Greek and Hebrew, you just don't have one meaning for a word. You learn that the word takes on a meaning by its context. And it is true that many places in the Bible, the Greek word ek means out of but it also simply means from. In other words, I will keep you from the hour of trial that's coming upon the unbelievers on the earth. So the question is, which is the proper translation? Uh, the out of understanding, keep, I'll keep you out of this time of trial, or I'll keep you from it. In other words, I'll protect and preserve you through it. Well, it's very interesting that the English Standard Version says from, not out of. The King James Version says from, not out of. Likewise, the New International Version, the Revised Standard Version, the NASP, the Geneva Bible, that's Calvin's group, the Tyndale Bible, the New Living Translation, the New King James Version. In fact, I couldn't find a single Protestant translation anywhere that translates it out of. And here's another problem with this. There's only one other time in the entire New Testament that this verb, keep, and the preposition ek is used together. And it's found by the same author in John chapter 17. Jesus prays in John 17 and verse 15, I do not pray that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil one. Those are the exact same words in the exact same context by the exact same author, and the context here is not taking out of the world, but keeping them from the evil one in the world. So the tribulation question really boils down to, is it a removal Or is it a protection from divine wrath during? And 
you know, for most of the people of the world throughout history, I'm talking about Christians, even Christians in especially the 20th century, this idea that you're going to be yanked out of all tribulation is simply silly. God will protect his people from the divine wrath. That's why we saw in Revelation chapter 7, we began this chapter, an angel comes and with a loud voice says, no, don't harm the earth, don't harm the sea. In other words, no divine judgments. Why? Until we have sealed the servants of God on their foreheads. And looking ahead a little bit to Revelation 9, same deal. Don't harm the grass or any green growth or any tree, but only those of mankind who do not have the seal of God upon their heads. We've covered this seal, and it's the sealing of the Holy Spirit, baptism and confirmation that protects from divine wrath, but it doesn't exempt from suffering, including the suffering of martyrdom. That's the key difference. It's not removal from persecution, it's preservation through it. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, the seal of the Holy Spirit is the promise of divine protection in the great eschatological trial. It's not a promise and a guarantee, like Dr. LaHaye says, of removal from that. And then the question, as you interpret this chapter of Revelation 7, there's two groups that you see. First, 144,000. It describes them as the 12 tribes of Israel and 12,000 from each tribe. And it's obviously a symbolic way of saying completeness, the full number. Now, those might, some people say these are converted Jews during the tribulation period. But another way to look at it is this. The 144,000 are no different than the vast multitude you find a little later in chapter 7. In other words, it's describing the same thing from two different angles. And let me describe how this could work. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5, St. John hears of the victorious lion of the tribe of Judah. That's Revelation 5.5. 5. The very next verse, verse 6, says, and he sees a lamb. Lions and lamb are quite different, but it's describing the two aspects of what Jesus is doing. He hears one and sees the other. In Revelation chapter 7, St. John hears about the 144,000, and then in Revelation 7 and verse 9, he sees the great multitude. And 144,000, if you want to know what numbering is, this census, it's generally a military census. In Numbers, which is the numbering of the tribes of Israel, Numbers chapter 1 and verse 45, it's every man able to go to war. And now it's not the physical war like ancient Israel did, but it's the spiritual warfare which is being called forth. If you want to know what's going on in Revelation 7, Listen to Pope John Paul II. He commented on Revelation 7. The people dressed in white robes whom John sees with his prophetic eye are the redeemed. They are from a great multitude which no one could count, which is made up of the people of the most varied backgrounds. The blood of the Lamb, who has been offered in sacrifice for all, 
has exercised its universal and most effective redemptive power in every corner of the earth, extending grace and salvation to that great multitude. After undergoing the trials and being purified in the blood of Christ, they, the redeemed, are now safe in the kingdom of God. And yet Dr. LaHaye says that the natural explanation of these two groups in Revelation 7 is that neither represents the church. Neither. The body of Christ in the present age, because neither group is clearly identified with the church in the present dispensation. In other words, the word church is not mentioned in Revelation 7. It's also not mentioned in Revelation, between Revelation 4 and chapter 19. Does that mean the church isn't here? Well, Jesus isn't mentioned in Revelation 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 13, 15, 16, 18, and 21. Does that mean that Jesus also isn't mentioned in the book of Revelation, these 15 of the 22 chapters? Of course not. This is figurative language, and John hears things, he sees things. This is like a multimedia presentation to impact us at the deepest possible level, that Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, is with his sheep. And at the end of Revelation 7, it says this good shepherd will lead them into eternal life, to the fountain of living waters, no more to be pulverized by sin, uh, sickness, or sorrow, This is what the book of Revelation is promising for those who are faithful throughout the tribulation. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 87 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.